0: This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan.
1: 2018 champ, Ethan Hamilton.
0: And tonight we are previewing week 14 of the NFL Slate 2020, the first week of most of your playoffs and ours. We have already won our first round. Have you? Uh, Before we get to the show, a few housekeeping notes. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, especially with this time of year counting the most, and you have to win each and every decision you make, Email us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. Again, that's DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. All right, let's get into our Week 14 preview. It's the playoffs, buddy. We made it. What has you excited about this week?
1: Honestly, not having to worry about anything is what really has me <laughs> the most excited, knowing yeah. that I already won. that If I can be completely honest, that's what has me most excited.
0: Yes, that guaranteed spot next week is immensely pleasurable, but I am so deathly afraid of what is going to be my opponent next week because I don't know who it is going to be, but I just have this weird feeling that whomever comes out of uh, this week from those four is going to be all of a sudden my uh, uh, Mr. Hyde that I'm just, I should be so terrified of. It's like this gnawing sensation in the back of my brain all week.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we talked about it. This is by far the most competitive our league has been, and as fun as it is, it's also super frustrating at this time of year. But I'm excited. Uh, my team isn't going in the right direction, but in fantasy, everything can change. So we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, it doesn't take much. I mean, about a month ago, we would have thought that your team would have been in one of the best positions, and a month later, we we really don't feel that way. So. <laughs> That's the delicate way of putting it. <laughs> Regardless, let's start it with the game that just currently started a few minutes ago, the Patriots and Rams. This is the Thursday night game. Uh, we actually have a Thursday night game for once, uh, the first time in like three weeks. So the uh, game probably is decided by two defensive teams. The Patriots have gotten better the last couple of weeks defensively. They've been... Uh, looking closer to what they were last season when they were the top fantasy scoring defense, probably of all time, if I remember correctly. The Rams have been one of the elite defensive units this season, especially with the uh, best defensive player in football, Aaron Donald. And you have to think that one of these two units is going to end up deciding the game, possibly with a defensive touchdown. The Patriots had two special teams touchdowns against the Chargers last week. I think they had a defensive or special teams touchdown the week before. The Rams have one, I'm pretty sure, in a th- at least three straight. Which of these units is more likely to get a score this evening?
1: You know, both of them have re- really solid defensive players that they built around, and Stefan Gilmore in New England and then Aaron Donald in um, L.A. But for me, I'm going with L.A. I just think they're more of a consistent defense. I think New England is kind of finding their stride, though. We see that with them often, where at the end of the year, they're starting to figure it out. So it wouldn't surprise me if that defense was to outscore, but I'm going to go with the one that's more consistent in my eyes, and that's the Rams.
0: I would have said the Rams, too, if we were just simply going on paper between the two defenses. But here's the other factor for me. I think with Cam Newton at quarterback for the Patriots, that they have more ability to have an error or just... A bad play on offense than the Rams do on offense so if you're gonna give me one of these to have kind of that defensive score I'm gonna go with the Rams now the other factor in this game and we discussed it a lot the other day we kind of have discussed it on and off all season is when cam Akers was likely to emerge it was kind of one of our building stories in the preseason we thought it'd be a lot sooner The Rams have started to feature him the last couple of weeks a little bit more. He had a huge carry golf in this one, and even as we're recording, he already had a fairly good first drive. He ripped off a long carry uh, and got a goal line carry after that, but over under 15 carries for him in this game.
1: I'm going to cheat because I already know that he had a pretty decent run today. So I'm going to take the safe bet and I'm going to go over. I still would have said that beforehand because I think it's starting to become Cam Akers season out there in L.A., which it should have been a couple of weeks ago. But I think now they're starting to feed him the ball even more. So I think you can safely say, yeah, if they're going to be in, if the game script allows, he'll have 15 carries or more.
0: I would tend to absolutely agree. I think that the Rams have always wanted this to be the case and feature one guy, but no one guy had really emerged until Cam Akers had started to put it together over the last couple of weeks. So if you're going to give me one guy uh, to be the lead back, the guy that's producing at this point, he already has three carries for 41 yards in that first drive. I think he's going to go at least 15 carries, if not more. And I think that the Rams are going to be all the better for it. It, In fact, I think with this defense, if they get a consistent running game for how they want to play their offense, this is a very dangerous potential playoff team. Let's go to the Texans and Bears. Now, David Montgomery currently has a 13.09 projection in our league for this weekend. We talked about it the other day that he's had two really good weeks, two 25-plus point weeks against the uh, Lions and the Packers. He's now going against another team that has kind of a bad history this season against uh, other running backs, particularly in fantasy. Do you think he meets that projection or rises above it?
1: Yeah, this one's a little bit tougher for me, but he has been very, very good against subpar defenses. So for that reason, I'm going to say the over. I'm still not completely sold that David Montgomery has kind of turned the corner yet, but he is, I guess you could say, yeah, he's starting to turn the corner because he's starting to rip it up against teams that he should. I don't know if he's in that conversation, I guess, yet where we thought he would be, you know, this time last year, one of the better running backs in the league. I don't know if he's quite there yet. But he has turned a corner where he has been very good against subpar defenses. So, yeah, I'm going to take the over uh, 13 points for this weekend.
0: I think so, too. I think the matchup's right. Uh, I think that since Trubisky's been in the system that he has ultimately aided Montgomery somehow, I'm not sure that Nick Foles is necessarily bad for David Montgomery. but And then you throw in the volume that he's getting with Tariq Cohen being out, them not really having a good back behind him. At this point, it would be Cordero Patterson, which we saw once uh, David Montgomery was out those couple of weeks. I think that it's likely that he at least gets over the 13.09. I don't think he's going to have another one of those huge 25-point weeks again. But I think 13 points is pretty easy to clear, especially against a Texans defense that's been suspect most of the season against running backs. Now, we're also featuring two guys, one that had a bigger game last week with probably the hottest quarterback in fantasy, as well as the guy who's an established superstar but clearly gets doubled every single game because the Bears don't have any other outlet in Allen Robinson and Kiki Kuti. So, of these two guys, which one are you going with? The guy who's now thrust into the volume play with the hot quarterback or the guy who's a consistently good starter but maybe is drawing more coverage?
1: Are people still not healthy in Houston wide receiver-wise?
0: Well, I didn't see what the practice schedule was today. Yeah, I didn't Coutte see it either. supposedly had an issue and was questionable, or he was limited yesterday. I think that's more of uh, we have to keep all of these guys as healthy as possible because they cut Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb. I don't believe is going to be healthy for this game, and Brandon Cooks is nursing both, I think, an ankle and a neck injury. Okay, see, that's so, what I
1: thought. So I'm going to take Allen Robinson. I kind of just talked myself through this question. I'm going to take Allen Robinson just because he he is the more consistent guy, especially if Mitchell Trubisky is the quarterback. I never thought I'd say this, but I'm really, really happy um, that Mitchell Trubisky is the quarterback right now for the Bears because he's helped elevate Allen Robinson a whole hell of a lot more than Nick Foles has. So I'm going to take Allen Robinson.
0: I think I'm going to go that route as well. I like pairing a wide receiver with a hot quarterback, and but Kuti was a guy that was not getting on the field. He was a healthy scratch for the Texans most of this season so far. And he kind of got thrust into a situation where teams didn't know how to play him. He does play a lot out of the slot, which is going to benefit him in this game. He's not going to draw. Is it Kendall Fuller or I might have the first name wrong. I know it's Fuller, Kyle. but Kyle. Is it Kyle plays for the Bears? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. His brother Kendall plays in the NFL too. So that's why part of my problem, but uh, the, I don't know what the Bears' slot cornerback situation is, and they've given up a decent amount out of the slot the last couple of weeks, whereas you know that Allen Robinson is going to be drawing extra coverage, but Houston is not capable of covering anybody right now, so I'll go with the guy that's clearly the breakout, who they're going to probably give at least double-digit targets to. I can't necessarily bank on that right now with Kuti, even after last week's game. Let's go to the Cowboys and the Bengals. Honestly, there is not a whole lot of fantasy relevancy right now. You pretty much know the guys that if you're questioning it, they're probably only flex viable at this point. It does not sound like Joe Mixon's going to be back this week, if at all, this season. So maybe Bernard is worth a look against the worst rushing defense in the NFL, given how the Ravens kind of ran over them the other day. Tyler Boyd had that 73-yard catch for a touchdown last week against the Dolphins, but he got kicked out of the game. He's been up and down since Joe Burrow left with that knee injury. T. Higgins has been okay as a flex viable starter, but I certainly wouldn't be counting on him as a wide receiver one or two the way we had earlier in the year. Zeke has had his issues all season. This is a better matchup for him, but And we've talked at length about Amari Cooper, so I don't feel obligated necessarily to bring him up. But is any of these guys somebody that you feel you could start on or, excuse me, count on for a playoff start right now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think one is Zeke, and that's just because of the matchup. And I think game script will keep him involved in the game. I think a little bit of his trouble that he's had this year besides the big glaring problem that Dak isn't there, in the offensive line, isn't what it used to be is he was scripted out of games pretty early because Dallas was down pretty early, but Amari Cooper has kind of been an underrated guy all year long. Um, He's only had two games all year where he's been under double digits and he's had double digits the last four games straight. Um, We've talked about it before. Andy Dalton, at least in my opinion, I think he's the best backup quarterback in the entire NFL Um, He's been there, he's done it before, and Amari Cooper is still reaping the benefits of having a a halfway decent quarterback. So I think those two people, for me, are people that you can at least count on Zeke this week, but I think Amari Cooper, for the foreseeable future, you can count him in for at least a flex play.
0: I have Cooper for this week, and I kind of mentioned it already that I'm scared to start him, but there's at least a statistical sense that would tell me, Yeah, you can probably bank on him. I'd be a little nervous to count on Bernard for anything more than a flex, and I'd be really worried, even though the Cowboys have been bad, starting either Higgins or Boyd right now, but those are guys that are good enough wide receivers, especially Boyd, who has been good for backup quarterbacks, even if you go back to last year before Joe Burrow was there. Maybe that you'd be comfortable starting them in a pinch but these are guys that I start with a little bit of trepidation. Let's go to the Chiefs and Dolphins. This is kind of a, a question we asked a bit the other day. We've had an up-and-down season from CEH, Le'Veon Bell, and we still don't know whether CEH is going to be back to full health or not. We did get a back-to-reality or a uh, comeback from injury for Miles Gaskin. Who do you expect out of these two backfields to end up having the bigger game this weekend?
1: I'm going to go Gaskin. He's just been the one that's been most consistent out of everybody. I think expectations and where CEH is at right now, people are really, really disappointed with the way, you know, as good of an offense as it is, you know, that's Pat Mahomes' offense. You know, he's only going to get so much run because there's so many other weapons. And then they brought Le'Veon Bell in as well. So I'm going to go Gaskins.
0: I would, too. I think it's a matter of we don't know who's going to get the majority of the carries right now for Kansas City. And because it's kind of a split, if you told me that if I could start Bell and CEH together in one slot, maybe I'd feel a little bit more comfortable. But the other situation is, is you can run on the Chiefs. We've seen it multiple times this year. I'm not so sure about that against the Dolphins, but Gaskin is likely to get the majority of the work for the Dolphins, so I'm going to take the guy who is likely to get the volume play, especially against a Chiefs team that really has not tried to run the ball very much this season. Let's go to the Cardinals and the Giants. Would you feel great starting uh, Kyler Murray, Nuke, or Kenyon Drake against this hot Giants defense right now?
1: If you have Kyler and if you have Nuke, those are probably two guys that you've been riding all year long. And your other options probably aren't amazing. And, you know, I've said it on the show a million times. At least for me, I'm going to I'm gonna win with my studs. I'm going to lose with my studs. So those guys that are, I'm going to have in there because you know what they're capable of. Kenyon Drake, if he's healthy, um, he was limited in practice today with a hip injury that just popped up, but he's been he's been pretty consistent these last couple of weeks um, in double digits at least the last four weeks. The Giants are allowing the 11th most points to running backs, but these last couple weeks they have been pretty decent. But I still think this is a week where Kenyon Drake can get double digit points between 10 and 15 is something that I think you can expect from him.
0: I think this is a matter of whether or not they're going to take the reins off of Murray again so that the offense has a little bit more dynamic aspect to it. I am worried about Drake. I'm worried about Nuke also being taken out of the game because he's featured so much on one side of the field by what has been a fairly good cornerback matchup this year in... James Bradbury for the Giants. The Giants are also coming on a five-game winning streak, and a lot of it has come off of their defense. So if this was the matchup that I'm really relying on, it would not be the one I'd want to see. But you're absolutely starting all of these guys. I, I think if you've gotten to this point with them, it's not like, especially in a redraft situation, you're, it's likely that you're... Not going to be having somebody else on the bench that you can start over Kyler Murray or New Hopkins and be able to win your game. You're hoping that these guys have their normal standard game in order to deliver a victory.
1: Right. And it's frustrating too because, you know, you've been riding those guys and they got you to this point. And now it's like, what do you do now? You know, especially in redraft, you know, trade deadlines gone, waivers are pretty pretty wiped out for the most part it's like well what do you do now and in dynasty too it's like what do you do now you know moving forward is this kind of what you can expect you know because kyler really what bring what makes him so appealing and what makes him such a great fantasy quarterback is his running ability you know is are they gonna put training wheels kind of back on him now for the next couple of years, because they they understand how important a fr- our franchise quarterback is. That being said, I think Kyler Murray is one of the better quarterbacks at not taking unnecessary hits and not taking big hits. He's so quick and he gets down quickly. You know, with his uh, baseball background, so he's a very good slider. He ducks out of bounds quickly. So. I feel like with that type of quarterback, if I'm the coach, you got to unleash him and you can't be afraid, you know, because that's his type of game. And to rely on him to be a pocket passer, that's really not his game. And we're seeing the benefits of that right now.
0: With every decision being extra weighted now for everybody in the playoffs here or if you're an NFL team going trying to win these games to make the playoffs, who would you rather have this weekend, Kenyon Drake or Wayne Gallman?
1: Yeah, you know, Wayne Gallman has been somebody that's been not super talked about. At least the shows that I watch and listen to and everything like that. I was able to just pick him up in my redraft league because he was sitting there on waivers still, which is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. I like Wayne Gallman, and I like him because it's the consistency. You know what you're going to get. It's not too high. It's not too low either. But with Kenyon Drake, he's burned you before, but he's also won you games before, too. And especially now with the hip injury, it most definitely makes me feel like Wayne Gallman is the way to go.
0: The Giants resurgence coincides with him becoming the primary back and ultimately having uh, the majority of the carries in these these games because during those five weeks of those five games that they've won consecutively now – they or he has gotten somewhere between I think 13 and 18 points all five of those weeks and so from that level of consistency what he's been able to do since they really changed up their offensive line scheme or their the way they were coaching them I think that this Giants team you would have to be able to bank on at this point we've seen enough weeks where yeah okay I can definitely count on this I have some confidence in Wayne Goldman being able to do that yet again. And this isn't a terrible matchup for running backs. You can run on the Cardinals. I don't know about scoring because they have one of the top red zone defenses, but you can get a lot of yards and points in between the 20s. So this is a guy that while he's not involved a ton in the passing game, given the lack of running back abilities that are available to most teams right now and how bad the position's been all year especially with all the injuries and the key guys that have been out this is a guy that i would probably take in my top 10 right now for confidence level into this game for the playoffs which is really saying something from where we were a month ago all right let's go to the vikings and the buccaneers this isn't a Oddly interesting game. The Vikings currently occupy the last spot in the playoffs at the moment playing against a team that we've talked about a ton all season because it's Tom Brady and this team was supposed to be ready made to put together with uh, the right quarterback. They would be ready for a championship. Now, the Buccaneers have been one of the most staunchy uh, rushing defenses over the last couple of years. If you're counting on Dalvin Cook to be the guy that's gonna win you your playoff week, is this the week to really hope for that to happen?
1: Yeah, it's tough because Dalvin was the one you know that got you this far most definitely, and he's got Tampa Bay because they give up you know the fourth fewest points to backs and then he's got Chicago next week who historically he's not very uh been very good against so Yeah, as a Delvin owner myself, not the greatest playoff schedule.
0: Yeah, I'd be really concerned if he was the one guy. I mean, up until this point, he's been an absolute stud, the guy that you really hoped for in that first round, and you've gotten exactly what you drafted. But this would make me a bit nervous because if there's a a way to beat Tampa's defense, it's through the air, not on the ground. So I think this game likely calls for a, a bigger passing game for Thielen and Justin Jefferson than it does for Delvin. Now, maybe he can make that up because Delvin, I think, is the third leading receiver on the team in the passing game and hopefully make up enough points to help spur you along this weekend. But I, I would be very nervous about this potential matchup. Now, we also are featuring two different quarterbacks, and I'm going to just lay this out on a stat line. The last three weeks, Kirk Cousins has had 29.1, 32.25, in scoring the last three weeks in our league over that same time frame we've had Brady have 38.25 14.8 and 28.15 Minnesota gives up the 13th most points to quarterbacks Tampa gives up the 15th most if I had to tell you you had to start one of these guys for this weekend who are you going with
1: for me it's easy it's Kirk Cousins and it's because of consistency Tom Brady has been up and down all year long, so I'm going Kirk Cousins. It's pretty easy for me,
0: honestly. I think this game could turn into a bit more of a shootout, and I would actually go with Brady. Even though I like Cousins' weapons a little bit more, I think that Brady has the higher ceiling, and in a position where you really need them to hit, Uh, especially in the leagues we play with, with the quarterback scoring being a little bit higher, he would be the guy that I would be counting on a little bit more because Cousins is kind of hit or miss sometimes. He's been really consistent the last few weeks, but this game is in Tampa Bay, so with that outdoor element, I don't know how he's going to perform. Let's go to the Broncos at the Panthers. DJ Moore is currently listed as out with COVID, but I think he was a contact risk not somebody who actually tested positive. So it's possible that he's cleared for this game. If he's listed out, I think that adjusts things. Now, Christian McCaffrey was expected back. We were kind of talking about it earlier today that we don't think he practiced today, and he kind of had a new injury. I think it was either a thigh or a quad or something of that yesterday yesterday. So that's concerning because I think he was the number one projected back this weekend coming back. Melvin Gordon also has had a, an up-and-down season. He's got two games over 10 points in the last three weeks. I guess if, if Christian McCaffrey is going to be out and potentially DJ Moore, this is a very different game by comparison to what it could be. I would have expected the Panthers to kind of dominate uh, the Denver defense but with Melvin Gordon, I guess, being one of the few fantasy questions going into the playoffs right now, he's projected for 12.97 points, so basically 13. He's had two weeks uh, of at least 17.7 over the last three. Can he hit that projection this weekend and make your playoff win?
1: Yeah, I mean— Carolina, they haven't been great against the running game at all this year. They give up the seventh most points to running backs all year long. I think Denver is relying more on the running game as well as the year has gone on because it's getting colder and it's also, Drew Locke is also showing that he's not really the guy that they need him to be. So, yeah, I think think for me, it's safe that you can expect 13 or more from Melvin Gordon.
0: All right, let's go to the Titans and Jaguars game. I think this comes down to, and we kind of made a bit of a mistake last week in saying this, but King Henry versus the guy I'm now nicknaming Robinson Caruso. So of these two guys, who do you expect to have the bigger game?
1: You know, fun fact, Robinson has had more top five games than Derrick Henry has this year. I didn't know that until I was looking this up. Tennessee, they give up the eighth most points. Uh, Jacksonville, they give up the fifth most. But I think it's more King Henry. It's his time of year. He's getting stronger. Everyone else is getting weaker. I'm going King Henry.
0: Corey Davis has had a fairly consistent season. He was the wide receiver one from last week. And most people are projecting him to have a really good weekend against a Jacksonville secondary that has not been good this year. Do you expect him to get over or under 12 points for the weekend?
1: You said it. Jacksonville hasn't been very good this year. I think they're going to focus a lot of their attention on A.J. Brown, which leaves Corey Davis. So, yes, Corey Davis over. I think I've taken the over on every single one of your questions about over-unders.
0: Well, I'm not Vegas. I'm not setting the line myself. So, I mean, maybe it's it's not a, a great uh, job by me setting where the lines are. But I would expect him to be over as well. I'm starting him in one of my redraft or in my other league, my redraft league this weekend. I think he's a capable starter based on what his production has been this year, because his floor has been pretty high Uh, for most of the season. I expect that the Titans are going to have to throw actually a lot because the Jaguars have kept a lot of games close the last few weeks. These are games that they're in very tight situations, so teams are having to throw the ball late. There is kind of a close-natured game to all of this, and they've been able to kind of bottle up the run somewhat to the point where you do have to throw the ball. You can't rely on running against them in the way you did earlier in the season. So I think that this is a prime game for Corey Davis to have another one of his high floor games. And this is a guy that I'd be banking on, especially if you have him in a flex position, as a guy I would be counting on this weekend. The Jets and the Seahawks, and I'll basically put it this way. Seattle has been struggling on offense. If they cannot get it right this weekend against the Jets, I think we need to be raising the red alerts.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. this If they can't figure it out against the Jets, then there are some problems that are not going to be fixed this year, and they should probably just run home. The Jets are the worst team in the NFL by far. You and I and everybody else knows it. If they can't figure it out against the Jets, they got nothing else going for them the rest of the year.
0: One of the big waiver pickups of the week was Ty Johnson it's likely that he's going to end up being the starter for the Jets again in what isn't necessarily a bad playoff matchup against the Seahawks. Do you think that he can do it again if he gets that level of volume?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You said it. Seattle, they give up the ninth most points to running backs. But the real question for me is, does he get scripted out of the game? That's really where it comes down for me is if he doesn't have the opportunity So that's the risk that you have with playing somebody like this. It's tough. I don't know if I would, but if you're stuck in a situation where that's maybe something you got to do because Christian McCaffrey is out, you're banking on him or some whatever injuries, Kenyon Drake and all that other stuff, he might be lightning in a bottle that you can capture.
0: Ultimately, I think he would stay on the field for passing downs because he's kind of a passing down back ultimately. So I'm not concerned of him being completely scripted out of the game it's just a matter of does he get the same volume that he did last week where he had 22 carries two targets two catches if he can get close to that in what's likely to be a decent matchup I think that he has an opportunity I just don't know if he's going to be as effective as he was against the Raiders because I actually think the Seahawks have been better against running backs than the Raiders lately over the last few weeks by the way as we're talking here, we both have been right with one of our calls. The Rams just got a defensive touchdown and a pick six on a screen pass by Cam Newton. Let's go to Saints at Eagles. Expectations this weekend. What? I said yes. Like ah, being right. right, yes. <laughs> uh, expectations for Jalen Hurts in his first NFL start.
1: They're obviously going to be, it's going to be a very Jalen Hurt friendly offensive game plan that they have it's a tough matchup though going up against the Saints I expect him to kind of be a little bit more of a game manager quick passes nothing too crazy hopefully it means bigger success and bigger opportunities for people like Miles Sanders and Dallas Goddard because you young quarterbacks like using their tight ends I expect him to have a pretty decent game I really do
0: I actually will go in the complete opposite direction. I think the Saints' defense has been pretty good over the last few weeks. The Eagles' offense is predicated out of throwing to the tight ends. The Saints are one of the stingiest tight end defenses. If the Eagles do decide to run, uh, I think that they're going to have trouble because, as we've mentioned on the show before, the Saints have probably one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL. So I I really think this is probably the worst possible matchup for him to start in. And I would expect that people that are high on Jalen Hurts after last week and his garbage time um, performance against the Packers are going to get kind of off the bandwagon just as quickly. And it's really not necessary because this is the nature of the NFL jumping from one week to another. So on the Saints side of things... Uh, We have two players that were drafted in the first round, and we've kind of gotten different seasons from them completely. But over the last couple of weeks, we're yet again seeing one go down, the other one kind of go up. So which do you expect to have the bigger weekend if you had to start a uh, Saints stud, Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara?
1: The way it's trending, the smart money would be Michael Thomas, right? starting to force him the ball and elvin kamara has not really been involved in the passing game he's not the greatest runner of the football but he's forces a lot of missed tackles what i mean by greatest runner of the football is they don't really feed him a lot of opportunities on carries you're not gonna ever see him around 20 to 25 carries a game i i'm gonna go with michael thomas just because they're really forcing him targets and taking away one dimension of what makes Alvin Kamara so dangerous really, really hurts him. So that sucks for Alvin Kamara owners.
0: I actually expect that the Saints are going to split a lot of carries between Kamara and Murray in this game, given the Eagles' defensive front. So I think that's going to hurt his value. And the other thing, at this point, you're basically banking on who's going to get the likelier, bigger share of volume. Right now, over the last few weeks, it's been Michael Thomas. The other thing is, is who's more likely to get into the end zone? And with Taysom Hill and Latavius Murray being kind of the goal line backs the last few weeks, I would expect that Michael Thomas is probably the more likely to get into the end zone. So I will go with Thomas as well. Let's go to the Falcons and the Chargers. We've had big games out of both of them at different points in the season. Keenan Allen, Julio Jones. If you had to pick one for this weekend, who would you count on more to have the bigger game?
1: You know, again, it comes down to health. Uh, Julio Jones was held out of practice again today. Same nagging hamstring that he's been dealing with all year long. Keenan Allen's smart money for me. It just sucks, you know. You, you wonder if Julio's starting to really feel the wear and tear of his whole NFL career but you know when he's healthy he's still averaging just around the same amount of yards per game as he was you know the last 2 3 years before that so it's really about health with him so but I'm going Keenan
0: Allen I think the matchup favors Keenan Allen I think that the as bad as the Chargers have been late in games and I would expect that if they have the lead that the Falcons are throwing a lot late so this could be kind of one of those underrated big fantasy point games but i think keenan allen is likelier to see a higher volume of targets this weekend and so i think by default i would go that way then you add in the injury situation and i think that you have to count on uh, keenan allen to probably be the bigger performer i just think that uh, also right now i'd rather be getting the ball from justin herbert who's actually been more dynamic this year than matt ryan let's go to the washington at the 49ers game It seems like Antonio Gibson is at least out this week, if not longer. So this would make you believe it's probably the J.D. McKissick show. And he's going against another guy that has had some big games, obviously in the playoffs last year, but he's been hurt. He just came back this last week. Of these two guys that have had kind of odd years, J.D. McKissick or Raheem Mostert, who do you think would have the bigger game this weekend?
1: The numbers say that it would be Mostert because JD McKissick is more of a receiving down back. You don't really worry about him too much getting carries. San Francisco and the linebackers that they have are really, really incredible. For example, they give up the fewest points to tight ends. I bring that set up because, you know, most of the times it's safeties and tight ends that are, or safeties and linebackers that are covering the tight ends. And out of the passing game as well for uh, running backs, it would mostly be. Safeties and linebackers. So, and they give up the seventh fewest to running backs. Washington, they've been really, really stout against the running game all year long, giving up the third fewest to running backs. I'm just going to go Raheem Mostert. He's getting healthier. The whole team is getting healthier. He's kind of due for a bigger
0: game as well. I don't really know if there's any one player on the Washington roster that can replace Antonio Gibson directly. And if you watch kind of how they played against Pittsburgh, who equally has a good defensive front, now mind you, they're missing Devin Bush. And then during the middle of that game, or maybe it was the game before, they lost uh, Bud Dupree. So maybe they're not as good this last week as they had been up to this point. But it looked very much to me that the way that Washington was getting around that was not really featuring a running game, but using kind of that short passing game between either Logan Thomas or J.D. McKissick that Alex Smith has been so good at for most of his career in order to substitute that for their running game now that uh, Antonio Gibson is out. So the other factor to me in this one is is that Mostert uh, seemed to be splitting carries last week with Jeff Wilson Jr., and I'm not sure if 49ers really want to give him the volume he was getting towards the end of last season which made him so valuable so I think it's actually likelier especially in a PPR value sense unless you think Mostert's going to be hitting paydirt uh, that McKissick is likely to get the bigger game. Now we also are featuring three top wide receivers in this game who all have had decent seasons. I wouldn't say that they're great studs, but it been kind of wavering between that wide receiver two, wide receiver three column. Uh, I heard an interesting stat today that in the five games that Brandon Auk and Debo Samuel have played together this season, Brandon Auk has outscored Debo four out of those five games. But out of these three wide receivers that you probably have been counting on for a lot this season, Brandon Auk, Debo Samuel, and Terry McLaurin, which of these three would you count on most in your fantasy playoff lineup?
1: Man, uh, you can't argue with Brandon Ayuk, right? Terry McLaurin, I would say, yeah. But, like I said, San Francisco on the back end, they're getting healthier. They get the 14th fewest points to wide receivers, and that was when they weren't all that healthy. Uh, so I'm going to go Brandon Ayuk, just the way they use him, and as versatile as he has been. He's a much rather route runner than Debo Samuel is. They use him all over the field, so I'm going
0: Brandon Ayuk. So if I were to bank on any of these guys. It's probably Ayuk, and it would be a guy that I have on my dynasty team. I think you're finally coming around on the Ayuk bandwagon, so welcome to it, buddy. Uh, But he'd be the guy I'd be most likely to count on this weekend. Let's go to the Colts and the Raiders. This is kind of an oddly interesting game to me because this is uh, kind of a potential playoff matchup, more or less. The Colts are up and down the last few weeks uh they've had some better uh statistical outputs from their fantasy players but they haven't been as consistent they just came off of that big loss against the titans two weeks ago then again they did get that win in houston last weekend the raiders on the other hand have had almost two of the most embarrassing games the last two weeks getting absolutely blown out in atlanta and then what should have been a loss to the jets So Josh Jacobs is likely out again for this weekend. I don't think he's practiced at all this week. If that's the case and the Colts defense, you know that they're actually pretty decent against the run. I would expect the Raiders to have to throw. Does that mean that we're going to get a big Darren Waller game again?
1: I would kind of hold the brakes on that because the Colts have been very, very good against tight ends all year long. They got the second fewest points to tight ends. And you talked about it last week. The most frustrating thing is with Darren Waller is his up and down. One week he's huge, and that next week he's, he's very far down. I think this is one of those weeks where he'll be very far down.
0: Now, on the cold side of things, these are two guys that, one, we basically left for dead. The other guy, we were hoping that he was going to be surging right about this time for the playoffs Are we expecting a bigger playoffs for T.Y. Hilton or Michael Pittman Jr.?
1: Yeah, this is a tough one. It's kind of like throwing a dart at a dartboard and trying to see what you land on. For me, I guess I'm going to go with T.Y. Hilton, and it's just because he's been there before. I feel like Michael Pittman has kind of hit that rookie wall a little bit. Maybe T.Y. is starting to feel a little bit better, maybe a little bit even healthier towards the end of the year as well. Um, so I'm going to go T.Y. Hilton.
0: I think if we're just talking about these three games of the playoffs, I'll probably go the same direction. But here are some things to consider when it, it comes to this question. T.Y. Hilton was actually the guy who ran the third most routes at wide receiver for the Colts this last two weekends. And Michael Pittman has actually been the one who ran the most. He also was the most targeted receiver two weeks ago when Hilton had his first big game so I think that the offense is still going to him but for whatever reason he hasn't been on the same page with Philip Rivers in the game plan and in the execution the last couple of weeks. So that's the only reason I'm deferring a little bit to Hilton but I think that the opportunities are still there for Michael Pittman to potentially break out. Let's go to the Packers at Lions game. Obviously this game holds a lot of importance to the two of us and we're not sure on the health of DeAndre Swift yet. It seems that he might be coming back, but we're not sure and how much he will be featured given that he's missed a couple of weeks. I would still say that if he is playing, you're starting him as well as any Packers running backs, because I would expect any of them to have big games against each other this weekend. But with the Lions not quitting last weekend that come from behind win against the Bears, this game is kind of. Oddly interesting on a fantasy perspective, I think that these offenses are going to put up some points, much in the same way they did kind of in that Week 2 matchup, although the Lions weren't quite as good as the Packers that day. We have two tight ends that are kind of hovering around that top five for most of the season. Do you expect Robert Tanyan or TJ Hawkinson to have the bigger game this weekend?
1: TJ Hawkinson, because he's more involved in the game plan as like a priority I kind of feel like Robert Tanyan, he gets a big play here or there and he scores a touchdown and his kind of value is with the touchdown and he does he gets a crap ton of touchdowns all year long he's had a crap ton of touchdowns I just think TJ Hackinson he's more bankable because he's more involved in the offense he's more of a he's a bigger portion of the offense than Robert Tanyan is.
0: I don't think Hawkinson's at the level where his stats for non touchdowns are going to make up for uh, some or make up the bigger game compared to somebody who's likely to get in the end zone. So it's a matter of who of these two is more likely to get that one big play and get into the end zone. And right now, with the hotter quarterback being Aaron Rodgers, I would say it's probably Tanya. I like TJ Hawkinson as a prospect more, and especially long term, because I don't know what Robert Tanyan's going to be even next year, let alone next week. But I think if it's a matter of which of these two guys I think might have the bigger game, I'll go with Tanyan for this weekend. Let's go to the Sunday night game, the Steelers at the Bills, and let's play a small game of Dynasty Rather. So of these four guys, guys that we have been up and down on all season, we've been hoping for them to eventually break out or have bigger games – Which of these would you most likely keep for next season if you had them on your team? James Conner, Benny Snell, Devin Singletary, or Zach Moss?
1: I think Zach Moss and Benny Snell would be the only people that I'd be interested in keeping, and it's all because of their youth and the potential that I think they could have.
0: Singletary has given me a little bit more over the last couple of weeks. Zach Moss has yet to really be a featured guy even though they've given him some opportunities and I'm a bit surprised at that but it doesn't look like the Bills really want to run the football and frankly their offense runs best when they throw it more often which is kind of odd much in the same way that the Steelers have pretty much gone against their running game and are in, almost incapable of running the football they're one of the worst teams running the football let alone in short yardage where they've been abysmal so I don't know what the value is because almost none of these guys is a receiving down back, and I don't know what these offenses are going to look like. I'd be inclined to say almost none of them, but if I guess I had to pick one, I'd probably say James Conner because we've seen it before that he could do it, and I think he's still going to be in Pittsburgh with that contract. So I guess if I had to go, I'd go him. So we're also featuring... Four different wide receivers that have had a lot of big games this season. Out of these four, which of these would you say might or is most likely to have the big game? Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, Deontay Johnson, or Juju Smith-Schuster? I'm
1: going to go with the Buffalo guys, and it has everything to do with how much that Big Ben spreads out the ball. In Buffalo, it's just those two guys. In Pittsburgh, there could be people that we probably never even heard of that we wouldn't be surprised would have three or four grabs. Those guys in Buffalo, those are the mainstays, so I think those guys are going to be the ones that has it. So between those two, I'm going to go with Stefan Diggs just because he's a better receiver, I guess, than Cole Beasley. You can't argue what Cole Beasley has been doing these last couple weeks, and he's been a very, very good security blanket, but I, I kind of see a big game from Stefan Diggs. you've talked about it, the Steelers aren't as healthy as they used to be. They're reeling a little bit. I think people are starting to see a little bit more on film. I think Stefan Diggs is a guy that can take advantage of that.
0: I think that you're probably right. I think Diggs would be the guy that I would be most counting on, not just because of how he's finished this year pretty much uh, as a top a number one wide receiver for most of the season. But I'll also say it from this front. I think that Buffalo's secondary is a little bit healthier right now than uh, the Pittsburgh secondary. And I think that makes a ton of difference in this game. The other thing is depth of target. I think that Buffalo is getting a little bit more down the field with some more dynamic plays. And especially without Bud Dupree, I don't know how uh, pressured Josh Allen's going to be in this game. So it seems likely to me that Diggs is going to end up getting a lot of targets in this game. I would guess that with the way Cole Beasley's season has been kind of up and down, that since he had a big game on Monday night, I'll go away from that one. And uh, given that Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster have been getting a lot of very quick, short passes... I don't expect them to put up the yardage. So you'd have to hope one of them gets into the end zone. I'm going to go with Diggs as well. Let's go to the Browns and Ravens, our Monday night game, and the last game of this week 14. The Browns got stomped in week one, but have a better record after that to this point. And we're featuring two quarterbacks, I think that were drafted, if not the same year, pretty close, that are kind of the young guys of the division that you'd eventually expect to kind of take over with the exception being Joe Burrow and his eventual health coming back from that knee injury. Now, obviously Jackson was the unanimous MVP of the league last year, so if we had started the year with this question, I think it would have been a no-brainer, but based on the recent performances of both, do you expect Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson to have the bigger game?
1: I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. We he knows what he can do against this team. They obviously know what he can do against them, and I don't. Honestly, I don't think it'll matter. Baltimore—they give up the 12th fewest points to quarterbacks. Cleveland, on the other hand, they give up the eighth most. It's been all year long that they've been getting tortured by uh, quarterbacks, and Lamar Jackson is just a different animal. Baltimore, I think, is really starting to figure it out as well because it hasn't been a season that they've wanted really below expectations, but they're still in a position to get everything that they want to get. And I think they know that as well. So I'm going to go Baltimore and Lamar Jackson.
0: I'm going to go Jackson as well. And I think it's multi-level factored. So first off, Baker Mayfield was not pressured last week in his big game against Tennessee. I think that with Baltimore, they blitz the most of any team in the league. And I expect Baker Mayfield to be pressured most of the game, causing him to make a lot of mistakes. So I think that right there is indicative of how this one's going to go. The other aspect, though, for me is in that Tuesday night game against Dallas, I know that they were going against the worst rushing defense in the league, but there was just that kind of Lamar Jackson, eye of the tiger thing. I, I just saw this weird gleam in his eye, like, oh, yeah, that was the guy that won MVP last year that had so much confidence. And I I wonder if he's back. Just a little bit. I, I think he might end up running wild this weekend, and it might be one of those where if you've somehow figured out how to make it into the playoffs or he's available, maybe consider, you know, especially if you're in a super flex situation, that this might be his get right game, especially against a division opponent. So let's go to our finishing categories. Underrated stud of the week. Who do you have down? I see you have
1: a couple of them, but I'm taking one because I actually thought it was looked pretty decent. Um, and it's going to be David Montgomery going up against Houston. We have saw what he's done against other below-average defenses, and I think he has another pretty, pretty decent day.
0: So all three of these guys, and David Montgomery was one of them, are guys that are currently projected outside of the top ten that we expect to be in the top five. And I'm going to give the fans what they want three guys this weekend because you all need them for your playoff rosters. I think Ryan Tannehill is actually in store for a big game against Jacksonville this weekend. I think he has the potential to be a top five quarterback. That being said, I am starting Justin Herbert over Ryan Tannehill in my redraft league in a playoff game. So take that with a grain of salt. The other guy is, and I can't believe he's being projected outside the top 10, but Justin Jefferson against that, kind of weak Tampa Bay secondary that's been exposed the last, I don't know, handful of weeks. So if I were to expect a guy to really hit it this weekend, I think he's exactly the type of guy I'd want in this weekend. Game of the week. I have the chiefs and the dolphins. I think this is kind of an interesting game. I've been kind of high on the dolphins because they've been kind of an overperformer most of the season. So I'd really like to see how they end up matching up against what I consider to be the best team in the league. Who do you have down?
1: I'm going to go Minnesota at Tampa Bay. lot of points. A lot of points.
0: Yeah, I think there are a lot of games this weekend that are underrated for potential point scoring. So this could be one of them. I I like that one as well. This might be a a really fun playoff weekend, especially with you and I on bye weeks. (laughs) Uh, Upset of the week, I have the Giants at home beating the Cardinals. Somehow the Giants are uh, are getting two and a half points at home. Who do you have down for your upset of the week?
1: Vegas has San Francisco beating Washington by three. I think Washington can go in and win this game against San Francisco. So I'm going to go the Washington football team over the 49ers.
0: All right. Uh, league matchups preview Bye weeks already for Tom Terrific and Dynasty. They've made it into the top four. I think that's enough said. Akron Pros is playing King in the North and is currently projected to win by quite a bit, but that's That's why we play the games. So crazy to me. I know. Akron Pros is at a really weird season, so if he can somehow uh, pull that one off, uh, the amount of smack talk I'm going to get this weekend is going to be insane. but... But it's
1: just, it's crazy because we, everyone feared King in the North, right? Everyone well, fears that team. And it's just how fantasy works, like just week by week, you know, first the Will Fuller thing hits, that hits him because he's got Deshaun Watson. Now Christian McCaffrey not, not, might not be back. It's tough, man. It's tough.
0: Well, and we kind of thought Deshaun Watson might have this kind of down part of the year because he was going to be playing the Colts and uh, twice with the Bears in between. So he was not going to have some of these great playoff matchups. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of one of those weird things. It it just plays out in a weird way. Last year, we wouldn't have expected the team to win that did, and it it's...
1: Thanks it, I've
0: always said that the sign of a really good fantasy player is how often you make the playoffs, not necessarily in how many championships you win because the playoffs is such a crapshoot. And there are so many weird things that go on. You and I probably both have horror stories all over the place. <laughs> You play the game long enough, you're going to lose in some crazy situations. You're also going to win in some crazy situations. I remember winning your PPR league a few years back because uh, Jordan Reed ended up having three touchdowns in championship week. All right, so thank you to all the listeners for bearing with us to this point this season. Good luck to all of you in your fantasy matchups, unless you're on a bye week like us. But we do appreciate you. We will be back again after this week, and... For anybody left standing to recap this weekend's action for you until then. You
1: know, congratulations to everyone that did earn themselves a first bond buy. You know, that's that is a really big deal. That's a year's worth of hard work, especially in like dynasty. So congratulations to all those people. But until then, everyone, please wear a mask.
0: This podcast was mixed, produced and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our technical provider and distributor is Anchor FM.